Good evening, everyone. I am Mark, and uh, we are at the finish of START, uh, four weeks into it. Four weeks ago, we had the opportunity to come together on January 1st, uh, 2012, to begin the new year, to start the new year together, to hopefully encourage one another to uh, make 2012 the year that we get closer to God and to live out the vision that He has for our life. The next week, we talked about overcoming, overcoming our obstacles, overcoming our our shortfalls, overcoming uh, things that were burdens to us. And then last week, we talked about perseverance, what it meant to persevere and to continue fighting the good fight. Today, we're going to kind of take a little bit of a turn and really talk about our legacy and uh, really kind of how do we encourage one another. And specifically, we're going to be talking about words, the power of words. You see, the power of words have the power to give life or to give destruction. That uh, we talked about the Apostle Paul when, when his life was just a mess, that he was being overcome with adversity that he referred to as a thorn in the flesh, and that God spoke words of life into him saying that my grace is all you need. My power works best in your weakness. You see, we've all experienced words. We've all experienced words that give us life, and we have also experienced words that have torn us down. And we have tried to come up against those words that tear us down. We have tried to to build a firewall against the critics, but somehow the words sneak in. Somehow they always find a way into the soft part of our heart and bury themselves deep. Our parents have tried to help. They have given us little sayings that we all know, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt you. They'll kill you, and they'll hurt you. In fact, some of the words that have been spoken into our lives from a very young age, we have carried for decades, and I'm no different. I've carried some words with me ever since the first grade, the beginning of my academic career. It was, I, you know, was shiny-faced, and the world was my oyster. And I had this teacher in the first grade, and what she liked to do was to have students stand up and read. Well, as a man who uh, was once a boy, and a boy with severe dyslexia, that was not a good combination. And I remember that repeatedly she would have me stand up in front of the class, and I would stutter and stammer and mix up the words 
and she would keep on me to keep on reading, and all I wanted to do was disappear. And after several weeks of this and months of this, a pattern emerged. And soon, standing up and having to read in front of the class was not the worst part. Because when I sat down, I knew that recess was going to come. And that is when the words were given to me that I carry to this day. You see, out from the cover of the teacher, out from the brick and mortar, out into the wild west known as the playground field, where anything goes, some little genius snot-nosed kid came up with a rhyme. Mark, Mark, he's not smart. He'd read better in the dark. And they would chant this. Every time it was reading day, and I would go out, and soon as we were out of earshot, that chant would go. And for many years, that became the words that defined me that I wasn't smart, that I wasn't like the other kids, that I was just this idiot until when I was in ninth grade and I was stressed out and having all sorts of symptoms from stress and and logging a 0.00 average. For you who are checking, that's not very good. I was being uh, removed from school, and on my way out, there was a guidance counselor, a a lady named Mrs. Bryson. And Mrs. Bryson asked if she could uh, see me, and I went in, and she gave me a lot of different kind of quizzes and tests, and she started asking me all sorts of bizarre questions. And at the end of those tests, she looked at me and she said, Mark, you're not stupid. In fact, you are actually very smart and you have this thing called dyslexia. And you know what? I know of a place that can go to help And I remember it was the first time outside of my parents that somebody like an authority position, someone who didn't have any skin in the game of my life, took the interest to speak words of life. And at that point, just somebody, the first time, somebody saying, you are not stupid, that you are smart and you have a place in this world, was like somebody was throwing a life preserver to me in a sea of sadness. You see, you are more powerful than you think because you have words. You have the ability to encourage someone to take one more step into the vision that God has for them to help them mount the eagle and soar high, 
higher than they ever dreamed. And you also have the power to destroy their will and their self-esteem. You see, we as a body of Christ have been called to be encouragers. Encouraging one another to outbursts of love and good deeds. Encouragers to see one another with the eyes of Christ. To be the ones that, that are the conduit of God. You see, you are more powerful than you think because, you know what, we are told in Scripture that the Holy Spirit lives in us. You know who that Holy Spirit is? That Holy Spirit is the very Spirit of God. The very Spirit of God, the God who parted the Red Sea, who conquered death, who could heal the sick, lives in you. And you are the conduit of the words of life that has been poured into you. There are different kinds of encouragement. We've all been encouraged in different ways, right? I mean, we have been encouraged even to, to do stupid things, right? Hey, you know what? Let's, uh, you know, let's go lay in the middle of uh, Mayhan Drive. Remember that movie? you know, where they laid in the middle of the road and all the cars are going by. Sure, you could have people encouraging you to do that, but that's encouraging you to do something that is idiotic. I mean, sure, we've all been encouraged. You know, all the guys are doing it. You know, sure, you know, get involved with this. And, and it's kind of interesting in Isaiah, we get kind of a glimpse of the two sides of encouragement. And the first part is the encouragement that leads nowhere. And this is not the type of, this is not holy encouragement. This isn't encouragement that's set aside for God. This is encouragement that, that draws us down and encourages us to a place that is only a dead end. In Isaiah chapter 41, we're told that, the, talking about, about those who are not the children of God, the lands beyond the sea watch in fear. Remote lands tremble and mobilize for war. The idol makers encourage one another saying, be strong. The carvers encourage the goldsmith and the molders help, helps at the anvil. Good, they say, it's coming along fine. Carefully, they join the parts together, then fasten the thing in place so it won't fall over. Sure, you can be encouraged to follow your idol, whatever that might be, to form that idol. It might be your career. It may be your GPA. It may be, uh, you know, just kind of a, a relationship that doesn't honor God. You can be encouraged to go down that road. But I can tell you that that road leads nowhere. And then there's the godly, holy encouragement. Verse 8, but as for you, Israel, my servant, Jacob, 
my chosen one, descended from my friend, Abraham, my friend. I have called you back from the ends of the earth. This idea that you are never too far gone for God. This idea that, that he, that there is no place on this earth, there is nothing that you can do that he will not go to to call you back. I have called you back from the ends of the earth saying, you are my servant for I have chosen you and not thrown you away. Has anybody ever said you're garbage? Has anybody ever said you're trash, that you're, you're worthless? They've told me that. And they've probably told you that. And that is a lie. Because you matter to God. That he will go to the ends of the earth and has. That you are not garbage to be discarded, but you are a princess or a prince of the king most high. He says, do not be afraid for I am with you. Don't be discouraged, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. God wants to lift you up. You see, these are the words that should flow through us, flow out of our souls, out of our mouths, and into the ears and into the souls of the people that God has entrusted around us. To not be those who pull down, but those who lift up so they can soar like they never dreamed that they could. In Daniel, we also have these, an example of words of life where we're told that God says, don't be afraid, for you are very precious to God. Peace. Be encouraged. Be strong. As he spoke these words to me, I suddenly felt stronger and said to him, please speak to me, my Lord, for you have strengthened me. You see, we are children of God. We are one's who are meant to give life because God is a God of life. And that we need to see people with the eyes of God, to see the potential that he has knit them together in their womb, and they are not garbage, and you are not garbage. And you are not, and they are not to be discarded, but to be lifted up into something beautiful. Words of life. All of us have been entrusted with a legacy. Ronald Reagan said that freedom is always one generation away from extinction. And the same is true for the church. We have all been entrusted with a legacy. We have been all entrusted with the love of God to present that and breathe life into a lost and hurting world. I was so struck with this when I was in Europe several years back and seeing the dead body of Christ, which is the church in Europe. They took a generation off and the whole thing crumbled. That all of us 
have been given the mantle and the responsibility to be part of a larger story, to be part of the story of God. And it's one of the most beautiful things about being a follower of Christ because, you know what, our life is not about just being born, not doing any wrong, and then assuming room temperature. That our calling is much greater than that. That we have been called to be part of the story of God. And there has been thousands of pages written before us, and there will be thousands of pages written after us. And that we have the opportunity, we have the invitation to write a sentence, a paragraph. May we dare to dream a page or a chapter in that book. And we are here because someone in our life has spoken words of life. One of the most beautiful things about Mrs. Bryson and the words that she spoke into me is that her words will echo as long as God gives me a platform. Because it is because of her words of life. Her words of life say, Mark, you are not trash, that you are not to be thrown away, but God has a plan for you that those words echo here today and your words have the power to echo for eternity. Not because they're your words, but because they are God's. And they flow through you into a dehydrated hope dehydrated culture that needs quenching. In 1 Thessalonians in chapter 3, I think Paul really writes a beautiful just kind of couple of sentences that illustrate what this looks like. May the Lord make your love for one another and for all other people grow and overflow just as our love for you overflows. I love this idea of, of Paul and his companions pouring into people so much love that they cannot contain it anymore and it is bubbling over and overflowing to other people. It's kind of like this ooze of love. You're like church, it gets all over the place and you stick it, can't get it off. It's just this beautiful picture. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and this idea that Paul's writing, saying, look, encourage each other and build each other up. Encourage one another and build each other up just as you're already doing. Dear brothers and sisters, honor those who are your leaders in the Lord's work. They work hard among you and give you spiritual guidance. Show them great respect and wholehearted love because of their work. You want to know kind of a reality? You want to know kind of a truth? And I think that Paul writes this because even though he didn't have the market, the, the research behind him, he, he knew under the power of the Holy Spirit the power of negativity that can happen in the church. Do you know they've done studies, and it doesn't matter how large a church is. A church can be 100 people 
or it can be 10,000 people. You know how many disgruntled, negative people speaking words of death it takes to destroy a church of any size? Seven. Now, I don't tell you that because if you're sitting there and going, we got six, we just need one more. (laughs) It's not the purpose of that. The purpose is you are more powerful than you think. That your words have the ability to build up and have this place soar and the people in this place soar on the wings of eagles or to toss us in to a sea of despair. You are more powerful than you think. One illustration that I heard that kind of shows the power of a little bit of negativity. The illustration goes like this. There was this dad and his teenage daughter comes in and she wants to go and, and see this R-rated movie with, with uh, her friends. And, and she's... The father says, hey, you know, I, I've heard of that, that movie, and isn't there, you know, a lot of just kind of off sexuality in it and, and you know, just some, some other just, you know, kind of real negative stuff? And she's like, yeah, but that's only a, a tiny part of the movie. The rest of it is good. He said, I'll make you a deal. If you make brownies with me, and you use my seat, and we make it with my recipe, and you eat a nice slice, you can go see the movie. And she's like, deal. I can make some brownies. I like brownies. I can eat brownies. So he's like, great. So he's like, grab the, grab the, the, the mix, and she grabs the mix, and they start to put the milk and the eggs in there, and they're stirring it up. And they're looking out the window, and they, they saw their dog, you know, rover out there, and then He's doing some business, and he's like, oh, you know, and she's like, yeah, that dog and everything. He's like, hey, be right back. Keep stirring. He walks out into the backyard, and he grabs the pooper scooper, and he comes up and scoops up some poop, and instead of walking over to the trash can and dumping it into the trash can, he walks back into the kitchen with the steamer right there in the, in the, in the, in the little scooper thing. And he takes the little, the little shovel part and he takes a little bit of the, of the you know, the, the, the poop, yeah, the poop. And, and, and he dumps it to her, like, surprise, right into the mix. He's like, I got it from here, honey. And he starts stirring again and then he pours it into the pan and then puts it in the oven. And then, you know, several minutes later, ding. You know, and he pulls out the brownie mix and, and he said, hey, honey, I, here's your favorite plate. You know, the, you know, like Hello Kitty plate or something and, and cuts out a nice piece of the brownie. And he puts it on the plate and gives it to her with a fork and he says, bon appetit. I'm not eating that, she, you know, exclaimed. Why not? Because you put poop in it. Just a little bit of poop. 
Most of it is good. The point is not the poop. The point is not the movie. The point of this illustrates is that you are more powerful than you think and words of death and words of life can propel people or tear them down. We all have a legacy with our words. The scripture continues It says, look, brothers and sisters, we urge you to warn those who are lazy. Words of encouragement. Encourage those who are timid. Take another step of faith. Take tender care of those who are weak and be patient with everyone. You see, one of the most beautiful pictures of Christianity is our legacy, our ability to build life and to lift somebody up and encourage them to sail farther than they ever dreamed. Because none of us are the beginning or the end. But we are part of the beautiful story of God. One of my favorite stories that illustrate this is found in Deuteronomy in chapter 3. And it's basically the time where Moses is handing off the baton to Joshua. And he's like, Joshua, you know what? It's your time. And listen to these words of life that he encourages him with. You have seen for yourself everything the Lord your God has done to these two kings. And he will do the same to all the kingdoms on the west side of the Jordan. Do not be afraid of the nations there, for the Lord your God will fight for you. You think when he crossed the Jordan River and he was standing in the shadow of the walls of Jericho that perhaps those words of life were echoing in his soul, in his mind. Because he knew that it was not him coming up against Jericho, but it was the Lord. And that he was just part of the story. You know, sometimes we see the future and we see the vision but we are not able to go there. In verse 27, God says to Moses, go up to Pisgah Peak and look over the land in every direction. Take a good look, but you may not cross the Jordan River. Instead, commission Joshua and encourage him and strengthen him, for he will lead the people across the Jordan. He will give them all the land you see now before you as their possession. All of us have a legacy to give and we have to choose. Is our legacy going to be words of life and vision and encouragement to help people soar? Or are we going to tear people down and limit them from achieving the vision that God has for their lives? You are more powerful than you You hold that power. And I just want to end with this. About soaring high. 
Because to me, I want this to be a place, I desperately want this to be a place where echoes of our love and echoes of our encouragement will resonate throughout eternity and go far beyond any anything that we have ever dreamed it could be. That it'll be true for us, the words of Isaiah, those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. You are more powerful than you think. Choose life. Choose a legacy that inspires people to take a step into the unknown, a step into the great future that only God could imagine. Will you guys pray with me? Dear Lord, all of us here have had dangerous words spoken into us, words that have hurt and wounded us deeply. Some of us have carried them for days, weeks, months, years, and decades. God, I just pray that your words will resound, that we are not garbage, that you will not discard us, but you call us beautiful and that you have knit us together in our mother's womb and have planned things for us long ago. God, let us be people that encourage one another to fly high on the wings of eagles. Amen.